You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual I guess I've failed. According to a story in The Guardian, fewer people these days are having sex. There's a steep rise in what Guardian feature writer Amin Saner calls the voluntarily celibate. People who've had sex and maybe could have sex again, but can't be arsed, as the Brits would say, to have sex now or ever again, possibly. Saner cites the National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior in the United States, which found a steep rise in young people, adolescents, who reported no sexual activity at all, partnered or alone, 28.8% to 44.2% of young men and from 495 to 74% of young women. That's a lot of young people, particularly guys who aren't jerking off or not willing to admit they're even jerking off. It's also an enormous range, those percentages, somewhere between 28.8 and 44.2% of young men and 49.5 and 74% of young women that spread. Those spreads kind of makes you doubt the data, but let's take it at face value. Quoting from Saner's piece in The Guardian, the study's author raised several possible contributing factors, including gaming and social media, taking time and precedence, more awareness of asexuality as an identity, a decline in alcohol use, and an increase in rough sex practices such as choking that may be frightening or off-putting to many, and lower incomes. Toss in the wider availability of porn, toss in the pandemic, those national Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior Results were published in 2019. So before the pandemic, before the lockdowns, before the Dobbs decision. And yeah, the number of young people just saying no to partnered sex and maybe even too afraid to jerk off, probably higher now than 2019 when that study was released. And yet, at the same time, more and more people are identifying as queer, LGBTQI. Plus, one in four high school students, according to new data from the Centers for Disease Control, and one in five members of Gen Z, according to Gallup. At first glance, that seems hard to figure. More sexual minorities, but less sex, until you remember that some of the people identifying as queer are asexual, and a lot of people who've come out as LGBT over the last decade, a decade where we've also seen attacks on LGBT people skyrocketing at the same time, numbers of LGBT identified people also skyrocketing. A lot of those newly out, newly minted queers, perhaps even a majority, are bisexual people, mostly women, who may already have partners and not be in open relationships. So a net gain for queer identities, no net gains in the amount of queer sex going on on any given weekend. Zooming out for a second at all of this data, it's hard not to take it a little personally. I mean, I've been talking about sex and relationships for 30 years and the end result is people having less sex, fewer relationships. And if people are having less sex, fewer people out there are having sexual problems, no sex problems, no sex questions, no sex questions, no sex question and answer podcasts like mine. So hard to not feel like I've failed. Also hard not to be a little worried about the future, but zooming further out, maybe I haven't failed. 
by my own standards and criteria, standards and criteria I articulated decades ago. I'm not going to risk a sports metaphor right here. I am not moving the goalposts or I am not rotating the butt plug. I don't think people should have sex they don't want to have with people they don't want to fuck. I never did. I don't think people should have more sex than they want to, solo or otherwise. And I never did. I don't think more is always better. And I've long said less is sometimes more. And less sex with people you enjoy more is more better than more sex with people you don't enjoy at all. And no sex? Yeah, no sex can be better than bad sex. Just like having no one is better than having a bad someone. What I've always been, when I sit and think about it, is permissive. Half my job seems to be passing out permission slips. Yes, you can seek sex elsewhere when your partner is done with sex and you've made a good faith effort to work on the sex with your partner. And ideally, you've talked about seeking sex elsewhere with your partner, gotten their permission before you set out to seek sex elsewhere. Permission slip granted. Yes, you can consensually enjoy your kinks without feeling guilty about them so long as they can be enjoyed consensually. Yes, you can be a healthy, well-adjusted gay man and not like anal sex and ever do it. Yes, you can identify as bisexual and act on your bisexuality, even if you're not equally attracted to both sexes or all genders equally. Yes, you can end a relationship over shitty sex. No, you don't have to end a sexless relationship so long as you and your partner are both content in that sexless relationship. I have granted so many permission slips for so many reasons for so many people over so many years. But permission for me has always meant, permissiveness has always meant, giving people permission to make their own choices. And in the kind of sexually repressed era I grew up in, sexually repressed decade I came of age during, the culture that social conservatives want to bring back, being permissive usually meant telling someone they could do something or someone they wanted to. But in a sex-positive culture or in the sex-positive subcultures many of us inhabit now, being permissive also means, has always meant, giving people permission not to do the things they don't want to do. No one has to do anything, once or otherwise. No one has to be open to non-monogamy or poly or kink or anything or anyone else. Each of us should have permission from everybody else, from ourselves, to do what and who feels right for us as individuals. And if someone out there, or a lot of someone's out there, don't want to do anyone or anything, that's fine too. Permission granted. That's always been fine. Dig through the archives of Savage Love and you will find me saying, no, you don't. You don't have to do that almost as often, nearly as often as you'll find me saying, yes, you can. And I'd like to think, even in this world, people are having fewer relationships, fewer sex partners, that I can still help. Sex. More people are opting out these days, and that's fine. Decades ago, some people were having sex they didn't want to have because they thought they were supposed to want it. I am against that just as I am against people being straight because they thought they were supposed to, or vanilla because they thought they were supposed to, or monogamous because they thought they were supposed to. If people who didn't want to or never wanted to have sex or didn't like or don't like their options sex partner-wise, if they want to opt out, I'm on their side. I'm on your side. I'm sure some of you are listening right now. But I know from the mail, from the calls, that there are people out there who aren't getting any, aren't getting anyone who want in literally and figuratively. And I'd like to help with that. One suggestion for now, 
we are, as many people have observed, I'm not the first person to make this observation, increasingly atomized, isolated, but entertained. And I think that's a problem because I remember boredom. I remember when boredom was common and motivating back before we had our phones and social media and Candy Crush and video games and a zillion channels and streamers. If you were bored, and we frequently were, when you were bored, if you had nothing else to do, and we frequently didn't, you had to go out. Leave your room, leave your dorm, leave your apartment. Sometimes you went to the bars or the movies or the beach because we had nothing else to do. There at the beach, you would meet someone. When I was young and gay and out and bored and phoneless, I went to the bars where I met someone, a lot of someones, and then one particular someone. And if I could give anything to all the newly minted queers out there who, now that they're out and queer, might like to start having some of that queer sex previous generations of queers came out expressly to have, and maybe the kind of queer relationships that sometimes grow out of that queer sex, if I could give something to everyone who wants in. It would be the gift of boredom, the kind of boredom that inspires you to go somewhere, do something, anything, the kind of boredom that creates momentum, not the short-lived momentum that propels you onto the couch, phone in hand, but the kind of momentum that propels you out into the world possibilities at hand. But since I can't take your phone away from you myself, since I can't shut the internet off personally, you're going to have to put that phone down. You're going to have to make the decision to get up off the couch, go places, do things, take risks, meet people. And then, like some of those guys I met at the beach, like some of those guys I met at the bars, if it feels right, if you've used your words and you know it feels right for them too, and you wanna, you both wanna, or you all wanna, fuck some of those people. And then, if there's a problem, you know who to call. All right, a couple of quick things before we get started. I ran into two Magnum subs when I left the house myself this week to Jesse, who I met in Berlin, where he's studying international relations. I won't say where we met, but I will say it was nice to meet you, Jesse. Good luck with your studies. And to Alex, who I met at a music festival in a park in Austria after hosting Hump in Berlin. It was nice to meet you too. Thank you both for being Magnum subs. And I'm planning to do a show, Heavy on Kink Questions, very soon, and Heavy on Kink Guest Experts. So if you have a kink question you've been dying to ask because it is your kink and you want more information, or if you're curious about a kink you've heard about but would never want to do, but you want to hear more about it from someone who loves it, get your kink question in now at savage.love slash askdan, or use the voice memo app on your phone, and then send your kink question to q at savage.love, or give us a call at 206-302-2064. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum, Dr. Carlton Thomas returns. We talk about rough sex, gay men and condoms, and Gaping. First known use of gaping, meaning wide open, in 1588. Other words that made their appearance in the English language in 1588, schoolboy, wizardly, and procrastinate, which is what I was doing when I fell into a Merriam-Webster's wormhole. Wormhole entered the English language in 1593, just five years after gaping. I could go on, but I will not because we have a sex and relationship advice program to get to. 
This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash savage. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, Dan. I've been reading your column since I lived in Vancouver when I was 21. I have a really vanilla question for you, but we hetero vanillas need your expertise. Without going too out there because we play it so safe. Are there any kind of really simple, not too scary ways to spice up a vanilla heterosexual long-term relationship? We just keep doing the same bedtime routine and we want to bring some fun to it, but nothing too kooky. I don't think I even know what a kink is. You've been reading my column for decades, or you read it decades ago. You've obviously been listening to my podcast for a while, or maybe you just found my podcast. But I can't believe that anybody who read my column, however briefly, or has been listening to my podcast, however briefly, doesn't know what a kink is. You claim not to know what a kink is. That's a little different than not having any kinks, than being vanilla heterosexuals. That's wonderful, but you can't claim ignorance of kinks generally and also claim to be a reader or listener of mine. All right. So how do you spice things up? Well, I'm going to quote Esther Perel here, who's quoting Jack Morin, his famous erotic equation, attraction plus obstacle equals desire. I sort of arrived at not quite as elegant an equation, but I've pointed out for years that at the beginning of a relationship, a vanilla heterosexual monogamous relationship, you're taking risks. There are hurdles you have to clear. That first time that you get naked with somebody, the adrenaline is going to be pumping because there's risk inherent in that interaction. Are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? Are they someone it's safe to be sexual with? Because you're taking a chance on this person and they're taking a, a, a chance on you. At the beginning of a relationship, as I like to say, that other person is the adventure you're on. As the relationship becomes established, as it becomes a long-term relationship, they're not the adventure you're on anymore and you're not the adventure they're on anymore. So if you want that adrenaline pumping feeling, that adventurous feeling, you have to consciously decide together to have an adventure, to go on an adventure together. Now, I can't assign you kinks. Use Ben Gay as lube, mummify each other, go to a professional dominate. If none of those things, like using Ben Gay as lube, which I do not recommend, or mummifying each other, which I kind of do recommend for people who are turned on by that kind of thing, or seeing a pro-dom, which I would recommend. I wouldn't recommend that to a vanilla heterosexual. You can't just pluck a kink out of the ether or an adventure out of the ether and assign it to somebody. You gotta wanna. One of you at least has gotta wanna, and maybe the other is along for the ride, enjoying the pleasure the other person is deriving from that pleasure. You might want to check in with your husband is what I mean to say here. Does he have any kinks that you don't know about? 
do you have any kinks or forbidden desires you happen to disclose? Well, maybe now is the time, but at a very basic level, going on an adventure together, deciding to create an adventurous circumstance together is not that hard. Vanilla, heterosexual, married, monogamous. That means, you know, if you feel bored and you are bored, probably because you're having sex at the same time in the same place with the same person. How do you shake that up? Well, if you're going to be monogamous, going to remain monogamous, going to be the same person, but it can be a different time. It can be a different place and it can be exciting for one person to give a little bit of power, cede a little bit of control to the other person. That doesn't have to mean Dom sub BDSM play. That can just mean you saying to the husband, this week, we're going to do different time, different place. And it's your job to come up with that time and place. Surprise me. And then another week, it's your job to come up with that time and place. And it's your job, your pleasure, your joy, your privilege, your thrill to surprise him. As I've said before on this show, as I've written before in my column and in Savage Love Age Z, which recently came out, different time, different place, at work, you show up at his office or he shows up at your office or wherever it is that you work at a time when he's never shown up before. And it's the week where different time, different place had to happen. And that might mean finding an empty stairwell. That might mean finding a washroom with a single seat toilet and a lock on the door where you guys can pop off and fuck. Same person, different time, different place. And you've created obstacles. Presumably you're still attracted to your husband. There are no obstacles there, right? You have access to your husband sexually whenever you would like to have access to your husband sexually. So how do you create, as I like to call them hurdles, as Jack Morin and Esther Perel like to call them, how do you create obstacles that you can add to attraction that then equals desire and excitement and variety. That's something you and your husband have to figure out together. I can't assign you kinks. I'm not assigning you kinks. I can assign that to you. Shake up the time and place. That's what I'm assigning to you. Shake up the time and place. Not the person, obviously not the person, not telling you to open your relationship, but if you've been having sex in the same room, on the same major piece of furniture, the bed, at roughly the same time, you can and you should, you could tonight, I would recommend tonight that you shake all that up. Hey, Dan and the tech savvy at risk youth. I had a question about the safety of what I've been doing. Um, so as a background, I'm my wife and I are in our mid thirties. We're in pretty good shape. And for the past however many years, we've been experimenting with denial and edging bondage where I'm tied up usually starts with a denial session that's later followed with me tied up and her edging me until I come or we fuck or whatever. But lately she has discovered a new technique where she rubs my frenulum really slowly. It's super intense and I can't come from it. Uh, it's really, really fun. Uh, and I can't describe how intense it is, but I imagine it's close to subspace where Thoughts are gone. Everything's gone. I can't focus on anything but what's happening. Usually in the past when we've done this and the edging intensifies, I get lightheaded, 
have like shortness of breath, usually dizzy when I orgasm my, sometimes my hands, my face get a little numb briefly and then I get better. It's all good fun. However, now that she knows the new technique, I had one of the most intense orgasms I've ever had, so much so that I felt like I could have a second one right after. But during the second one, um, as I was getting close to orgasm, I got an incredible tension headache. And ever since then, for the past three days, I've had headaches that have been coming back, tension in the back of my head, tension in my neck, shoulders, that area. Uh, My question really is this. Am I at risk of hurting myself here during normal stuff is shortness of breath an issue during, you know, the new way that she's been trying? Is there an issue with being that close to uh, orgasmic inevitability, as you would say? Is it causing too much tension as it builds up? Or did I just push too hard that one time and know not to do it again? Well, this is one way for a straight couple to spice things up tie each other down and experiment with edging. That's what you and your wife have been doing. She's been edging you and teasing your frenulum in a way that is probably causing you to clench, to bear down, to maybe even hyperventilate a little bit while you're clenching and bearing down, while you're, you know, pulling against your restraints And that combo of perhaps a little bit of self-induced oxygen deprivation to the muscles and the the pressure and the bearing down and the tension that that long tease of your wife by teasing your frenulum for such a long and extended period of time and pushing you toward the point of orgasmic inevitability without letting you go over the falls – that that resulted in a a series of tension headaches over a number of days. It is possible when you're extremely turned on and you would like to climax and somebody is toying with you at the edge of that climax and denying it to you, your whole body will just want to push that orgasm out. Your whole body will clench up if you're a dude, if you're a penis haver, and in some ways try to just wrench the semen out of your balls and chuck it out of your meatus, your pee hole. And you weren't able to do that. And that could result in, you know, a kind of tension headache like you described or a series of them. You may have pulled some muscles and it took some time for your body to right itself and for the headaches to go away for you to get relief from those headaches going forward. If you want to do this again, and why would you want to deny yourself this pleasure? I think you should give it another try and you should very consciously every once in a while, your wife should give you a little break where you breathe and relax, release whatever muscles in your back, your arms, your legs, your neck, your forehead, that you're tensing and just breathe into those muscles and let everything go so that she can build it up again without you hyperventilating and without you gripping and holding those muscles for such a long period of time, which is what I suspect that you did. You were really close for a really long period of time. There probably was some shallowness of breath, not enough oxygen getting into your system. And after it was all over, you had not quite pulled a muscle in such a way that you would notice it walking around, but you had introduced a little muscular, interskeletal muscular tension that maybe pressed on some nerves that resulted in 
this series of headaches. Unless, of course, it was a coincidence and the series of headaches had nothing to do with the the play that you and your wife had been engaged in. However, it sounds like it did. I would, because the pleasure was so intense, if I were you, I would give it another chance with some, again, periods built into the play session where you are going to relax, be ordered by your dominant wife in that moment to relax and breathe and release and let go. And then if it happens again, all right, well, then you're in a doctor, doctor, it hurts when I go like this circumstance. And the doctor's advice is going to be, well, don't go like that anymore. But because it was so much fun, that one time you went for it, I think you should go for it again, at least once. Want to meet me at the mattress store and lie down on some showroom floor mattress samples that God knows how many other people have lie down on today? Of course you don't. Nobody has to do that anymore because your next mattress can come directly to you. No grody, grubby showrooms directly to you from Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup offers 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Not by lying down on a grody one in a showroom and guessing. You're going to get online. You're going to take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door free of charge, no showrooms. Terry and I got the Midnight Lux model because we wanted a medium firmness mattress. We tend to thrash around a little bit at night, sometimes even when we're asleep. And it was such an improvement over our old mattress that we wound up buying a Helix mattress for our guest bedroom too because it felt, yeah, we felt guilty sleeping on our great Helix mattress and letting guests sleep on one of our old icky mattresses. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. You can try out your new Helix mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. Plus, Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. Plus, Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10 or 15-year warranty, depending on the model. You get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free, in your own home. If you don't love it, they will pick it up for you and give you a full refund. And right now, Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Go to helixsleep.com savage. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. And I'm here to tell you the pillows are just as awesome as the mattresses, and the pillows, if you order a mattress right now, 20% off are free. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, Dan, Nancy and co. So I've been with my partner for a long, long time. And for most of our relationship, we've been open. But historically, we have limited ourselves to either hooking up separately or doing kind of quick one night stand type things with the third. However, for the last few months, we've been hanging out with this guy who we both really like. And, you know, it's it's not quite dating, but it's definitely something more than just a hookup. So I feel like when the three of us hang out, like personally, the vibes are great. (laughs) Sexually, it's been a bit challenging for me. So I have one dynamic with my partner where mostly I'm topping and he's bottoming, which I think works well for us. 
And with this guy, I have a lot of overlapping kinks and interests, but it's way more about me being super submissive and him being Dom. So it's just been very difficult for me to figure out how to slot these kind of competing dynamics in with one another. And the last few times the three of us have hooked up, I've been a bit anxious and in my head and like very aware of my boyfriend and like what he was doing and how he was doing. And it's just been making it hard for me. So on the one hand, I have this instinct to kind of separate myself a bit more from my boyfriend, at least in how I interact with this guy, because I feel like I'm losing touch a bit with what's actually hot to me and what works for me individually. And so far, my boyfriend and I, we've been more or less approaching this as like a joint unit. But I think both of us are feeling a little stifled by it. We have somewhat different ways of approaching lots of aspects of this relationship. And we both feel a bit unable to express ourselves because of the need to vet every decision with the other partner. But on the other hand, I'm a bit afraid to venture outside of always hanging out as a group of three, because I also think it's super important that everyone feel included and everyone feel like we're all moving in the same direction at roughly the same speed. So any advice you have on how to balance these two instincts would be greatly appreciated. So when it comes to your relationship with your boyfriend, your dominant, your boyfriend is submissive. But when it comes to this other guy, this third, your very special guest star, the guy that you're dating together, you have kinks that align, maybe kinks that you don't have a lot of overlap with, with your boyfriend. And with this guy, you're submissive. He's dominant. Seems to me that with a little thought, uh, a little intentionality, some discussion, you should be able to articulate a vision, a, a structure for your sex, basically. When you're just hanging out, it's not sex. It doesn't sound like there's a problem. But for the sex, when it's the three of you together, you should be able to articulate, again, a structure that works for you and works for your boyfriend. If your boyfriend is very submissive, what could be more subby than being a sub's sub? You are submissive to this guy. He's your dom. He's your master. You are dominant over your boyfriend. That seems to me like a vibe that your boyfriend, if he's super subby, should be able to tap into. That he should be able, maybe, to tap into and wrap his already established submissive kink around which is he's the lowest man on the totem pole in your relationship, the sexual dimension of this relationship and your sexual dynamic and the erotic dynamic. Your shared partner, this guy that you're both seeing together, he bosses you around, you boss your boyfriend around. If he wants to boss or overrule you, he can. In the moment, during sex with you and your boyfriend, during these three ways, so it's not up to you to juggle the boyfriend, juggle the new partner, keep them both happy, run these on separate tracks. It's on one track. He's in charge. The new guy's in charge. Absent some direct order from the new guy, you're in charge of your boyfriend, but he's also in charge of your boyfriend either directly because he can order your boyfriend around or through you because he can order you around and his orders overrule whatever your orders or desires in that moment might be. And then, you know, once the relationship is established, more established than it already is with the new guy, maybe there can be some space carved out where it doesn't have to always be the three of you together. I'm sure that you and your boyfriend are still having sex just with each other, just as a couple every once in a while. 
seems to me as your boyfriend becomes more comfortable with this three-way relationship that he may get to a point where he's fine with you sometimes just getting together alone with this new guy, the new man in both your lives, so that you can sub out without having to think about or worry about how your boyfriend might be doing. But this impulse you have in the moment during these three ways with this new guy and your boyfriend where you're concerned that your boyfriend doesn't feel left behind or your boyfriend doesn't feel neglected, that's a good impulse. That is the impulse that's going to inspire you to check in in the moment during these threesomes. And as you become more adept at them, as you have more of them, as you grow more confident with the erotic dynamic that's been established between the three of you, that feeling will fade, that that worry will fade into the background because, you know, if you haven't stepped on the rake, if you haven't sh- shat the bed, you'll grow more confident that you're not going to step on the rake or shit the bed in the moment and you'll be less self-conscious and you'll find these concerns pulling you out of the moment less often than they do right now. I actually think these concerns pulling you out of the moment as they are right now is a good sign. It means you're prioritizing your boyfriend's feeling, your boyfriend's comfort. Once you're secure that your boyfriend feels good about this, and I promise you he'll feel better about it if you find a way, again, to highlight the contradictions, right? That he is subbing for somebody else's sub, that there's a hierarchy here, that you may be alpha, but this guy's master and he is slave. He is the the sub sub. If you can articulate that, if you can eroticize that, think you'll have an easier time bringing your boyfriend along Uh, your boyfriend may already be there. You may just need to have this conversation with your boyfriend for him to say, Hey, this is hot. When I see you following his orders and I know that I have to follow yours, it it turns me on. You may get that reassurance from if you just have this conversation with him about how you'd like it to work, how it already is working and how you can resolve or diffuse this conflict that you feel between wanting to make sure your boyfriend's getting the dominant energy from you that he's always enjoyed while you are able to enjoy the dominant energy of the new guy and be his sub, even together, even in the moment. Lots of people are able to do this in DS relationships where there's somebody's dom, somebody else's sub. Sometimes they have a three-way. You can do it too. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Squarespace. Please don't tell me you're using Facebook as your website. I don't want to hear that from you, baby. If you're putting yourself out there, you just got to have your own website. And if you use Squarespace to set it up, it'll look great and you'll be loaded up with some serious bells and whistles. For instance, you can create pro-level videos easily. The Squarespace Video Studio app helps you make and share engaging videos to sell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales if you're trying to make a buck. You can display posts from your social profiles on your website, automatically push website content to your favorite social media channel so your followers can share it too. Squarespace is super handy with email campaigns and analytics too. It's like having a tech-savvy business partner, but with zero drama. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash savage and use the offer code savage.
Hey Dan, 25-year-old Nigerian-American AMAB non-binary actor from the Midwest. I wanted to call and tell you about this guy that I've been screwing around with. Um, he's also non-binary. He uses he, they pronouns. It's cool to refer to him as he. But so the two of us are both actors, and we are the only actors who are also non-binary, who are also Nigerian, who are also unsigned male at birth in our entire market. And I really wanted to be closer to him and not just be like friends with benefits like we are. Like I wanted to be genuine friends, you know, but sometimes when we're talking and hanging out in his apartment, he just like shuts me up because he wants to have sex and it hurts my feelings. I don't really express it very often, but it hurts my feelings when he just decides that I'm, that he's done having the conversation. He just wants to screw around. So I just decided to stop seeing him months ago and I just didn't respond to his text messages but now he's back in town he had been out of town for a while in New York he's back in town and he wants to hang out again what do I do do I tell him to screw off unless he wants to actually be friends with me do I just continue screwing around and just take my feelings away from it I don't know Dan what do I do he's the only person like me in the entire community I want to be his friend come on what do I do so basically, you wanted this person, a signed male at birth, non-binary Nigerian actor in your community, you wanted him to read your mind. And because he couldn't read your mind, you ghosted on him. You would hang out, friends with benefits, you would talk. At a certain point, he would be done talking and want to start fucking. Now, maybe that's his fuck language, his love language. Maybe there's a point where he's talked out and he just wants his holes filled or because you say, you yourself say, you never expressed to they, him, how you were feeling, that he didn't know, he, they didn't know that he was doing, he, they were doing something wrong. And you didn't give them the opportunity to shift, to change gears a little bit, to give you a little bit more of the conversation, the concern, a little bit more of the friendship that you wanted to feel. Now, he kept texting you after you stopped responding to his texts and then he left town and now he's back and he's trying again. He's obviously there, obviously into you and would like to be back in your bed, back in your pants, back in your mouth, back in your ass, you back in their mouth, back in their ass. They want to be with you you can, you have some power here. You can say to them, look, the reason I kind of went silent was my feelings were getting hurt and it's on me that I didn't express that clearly, unambiguously. I didn't use my words. I just went away and sulked. I think you should apologize. Getting ghosted is never fun. He's probably been wondering all this time what he did wrong. And because he's not a mind reader, because they're not a mind reader, they didn't know what they did wrong. You knew what they were doing wrong and you didn't tell them. You say you want them in your life and you want to be friends. And there wasn't the balance there that you wanted between benefits and friendship. Now, some people, they agree to FWB and they worry that if they're too friendly, that the person is going to think they're violating the FWP's unwritten or written in lemon juice on a piece of blank paper rules and they're going to spook the person that they're in an FWB situation with by making them think that they're catching feelings. And so you have two people who are both 
receding from each other for fear that being friends, being friendly will be misinterpreted. If you communicate to them that you're not going to misinterpret a little bit more friendliness as interest in something more than an FWB relationship, a romantic, sexual, committed relationship, well, maybe then he'll come through. Maybe then they'll come through with a little bit more conversation. And you can say to them, let me initiate. All of our past interactions, we've hung out, we've talked, and there came a point where just you shifted gears and it was sex and the talking and hanging out stopped. Let me initiate. And see what they say. They'll probably say yes. I guarantee you they're going to say yes. You disappeared. You stopped. You ghosted them. And they kept texting you. Left town, came back, texting you again. They're into you. They're attracted to you. Give them the opportunity to get the friends and benefits balance right by using your words, by telling them what you felt, how you were feeling, and what needs to change if they want to do what they obviously want to do, which is get back in your pants and your bed and your life and your good graces. Hi, Dan. I'm curious if your partner has less than optimal dental health, can you get some kind of weird bacteria in your vagina from them going down on you or like spitting on their dick before they put it inside of you? Everybody's got bacteria in their mouth. A healthy mouth teems with bacteria. There are millions, hundreds of millions of individual bacteriae in a little droplet, a teaspoon of saliva. There are also bad bacteria. You know, good, healthy mouths have good, healthy bacteria in them. There's bad bacteria and bad bacteria can lead to bad breath, too much bacteria, poor oral hygiene can contribute to bad breath. Whether that kind of bacteria can make the leap from mouth to pussy and result in some sort of bacterial infection, I don't know. But I wouldn't want my pussy there to find out. I think if somebody wanted to spit on his dick and put it into me and they had terrible breath as a result, not of an underlying health condition, but as a result of poor personal hygiene practices, which is I think what you mentioned, yeah, I would make brushing and flossing a condition of spitting and fucking. Make it a condition. Tell him, want your dick? Spit in my mouth, spit on your dick, spit on my hole. But first, first, floss and brush. And if he won't floss and brush for your pussy, if he won't floss and brush regularly, practice good oral hygiene, for access, sexual access to you, your pussy, to have that kind of uninhibited fluid swapping, spitting on holes, sex that you would like to have with your partner, is he worth it? Is there no one else? And if he is worth it, if there is no one else, well, at the very least, put a bottle of lube beside the bed and tell him that you don't want him spitting on his dick and shoving it in you. Air on the side of those bad bacteria that are causing his bad breath or those shitty personal hygiene practices that are resulting in bad breath, not making the leap from his mouth to your puss. 
All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's check the comment threads on last week's show at savage.love. Says Alexandra, for the woman who's worried about online dating and revenge porn, one option Dan didn't mention, share only PG photos on your profile and in early messages. Yes, you'll expose your face, but if you don't share identifying details like your name or career, I don't see a huge risk unless you're some kind of public figure. Potential partners can see your face and body type and be able to decide if it's a good match. Save the dirty photos for partners you've met and vetted. Huh, do people still have to worry about sharing PG photos on dating apps? Kinky apps, swingers apps, sure, I guess there's still risk there for a lot of people, most people even, but surely not normie dating apps. Back in 2019, Stanford sociologist Michael Rosenfeld published a study that found that meeting online was the number one way straight couples meet now again. In a study published in 2019 before the lockdowns convinced the last holdouts to get on the dating apps, surely that number is higher now and the stigma of dating apps is less. Also, gotta say, when it comes to revenge porn, it's almost always exes, boyfriends, and husbands, sometimes girlfriends and wives who post revenge porn. So people who are victims of revenge pornography, it's usually at the hands of someone or thumbs of someone they've met and vetted. Not strangers, people they loved and trusted, which makes the betrayal so much worse. And finally, I've mentioned a couple of times that the governor of Missouri signed a bill banning all gender-affirming care in that state. Not quite right, says Safar. Lawyer from Missouri here, Dan, you are right about our transgender targeting laws, but how we got here was more insidious. The legislature passed and the governor signed a law that stopped in interfering with children and their parents' right to choose gender-affirming care, but at least protected those already on meds. The Family Research Council wasn't happy with that, and our temporarily appointed replacement attorney general issued an emergency order that basically eliminates gender-affirming health care in Missouri. This is an unheard-of abuse of power and is being challenged in the courts. Thank you for the clarification so far, and thanks as ever for all of your comments every week at savage.love, your comments on the podcast and the column, and now listener response calls. This one is for the caller who his partner has a new boyfriend and he was debating saying it was him or me, but then was worried the guy would pick him. Dan's advice was all wonderful, but the other piece is if this guy really does feel like he can't do it and it's him or him, or him he, in that case, I think should say that and get the answer. And even if the answer is the other guy, then that's information he would want to have. So I think Dan's advice is all great for if this guy can make it work and all those conversations need to be had. But I do think he shouldn't be scared of a him or me question if ultimately he is feeling like he can't do it. I think that's also a price of admission moment after all the conversations that Dan said. Dan, your top of the show rant for 862, I think it misses a major element of, of uh, bills like the Don't Say Gay bill. Because as you said, you know, they can't say don't say gay without saying gay. But thing is, I don't think the point is to not say gay. I think the point is to teach kids don't say gay or we're coming for you. They're not trying to convince all these LGBT kids that, that they are alone in the world, that there are no, none others like them. It's to teach them that, 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 that Ron DeSantis and people like him are going to come for them. It's about open threats of violence and intimidation and oppression. This isn't about, you know, you know, erasing gay people from the history books. It's about openly making them an oppressed class because that's what DeSantis and his supporters want. 
they're not trying to, to hide these kids away. They want these kids so afraid they'll hide themselves. Because like you said, they tried those old tricks before and it didn't work. So they're trying this now. The cruelty is the point. Hi, Dan. I wanted to respond to the woman who was worried about sending sexy photos and revenge porn and stuff. One tip for anybody trying to navigate digital everything if someone is posing as someone else and they've like grabbed a photo from the internet somewhere you can just pop those photos into a reverse google image search and then see if it exists elsewhere on the internet so they might have grabbed it if it's like a new photo from somebody legit then it won't exist on the internet and we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Go to savage.love slash askdan to record your question or your comment now. Or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email us your question or comment to q at savage.love. Or you can call us and leave us a message at 206-302-2064. Hey, listeners in Burlington, Missoula, Cleveland, and Nashville, the 2023 Hump Film Fest is coming to a theater near you. Go to humpfilmfest.com for venues, dates, showtimes, and tickets to the best little indie porn fest in the world. And listeners in Amsterdam and Munich, after sold-out shows in Berlin, the best of Hump is coming to you. Go to humpfilmfest.com slash Europe for venues, dates, showtimes, and tickets to a selection of the best films created over the last 17 years for the best little indie porn fest in the world. Follow me on Instagram at Dan Savage. Follow me still now on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Dr. Carlton Thomas on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Carlton. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.